This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA. Appreciate you taking the time to join us today. We've got a big lineup of things to discuss on this show, and there's a common theme that ties it all together, and that's pricing. We're going to talk about the auction market for machinery here in just a minute. And we are also going to have a conversation with John Sandbachen here from the uh, uh, National Sunflower Association in just a minute. And we're also going to check in with Arlen Suderman, uh, the chief commodities economist with Stonex, about what all is happening here in the commodities markets. We have seen incredible moves over the past 24 hours. And uh, these are having ripple effects throughout the broader economy. And um, we're going to want to check in with that. Arlen will have his insights with us here in just a little bit. Before we do that, we are going to be checking in with Andy Campbell. He's the Marketing and Machinery Trends Director at Tractor Zoom about the way they have seen the auction market trending here recently. But before we get, uh, while well, we're getting Andy lined up here on the call, I just wanted to make a note. Bloomberg had a fascinating article out this morning talking about sticker shock in the U.S. car market, a record share of U.S. car car shoppers are now seeing their monthly payments top $1,000 a month. And in fact, Bloomberg found 10 different cities where it's cheaper to rent a one-bedroom apartment than it is to buy a car, pay for an average car payment. The national average car payment right now in this country is $712 a month. And that means it's cheaper to rent in Akron, Ohio, Wichita, Kansas, Lubbock, Texas, and uh, really all the way down the line. These higher prices for everything have been impacting the way folks are going out and getting things bought. It's impacting the way they engage with their grocery store list and folks we all notice it when we get to the gas station and we see these prices sticking up there north of four five dollars in some places i do believe california has now rolled back under the six dollar mark for an average price of fuel in that state but these high prices are definitely changing the way consumers engage and we'll be talking with andy here in just a minute about how that is impacting folks as they look to make a move for their machinery on their operation jumping over to the markets today to give a little update ahead of arlen suderman here who'll be joining us in about 20 minutes we're seeing the markets try to stage a turnaround tuesday here on this market wednesday we've got the grains catching their breath corn is unchanged Uh, well mixed we've got down a quarter to up a half here in the nearby corn contracts soybeans coming back fairly strong that august contract up just shy of 10 cents so far today november new crop up seven cents um, so far today and we're seeing this trend to the upside continue on in wheat oh we've got the wheat market right now up eight and a half cents at 815 and a quarter december wheat up eight cents as well trading right now at 831 and a half This volatility has been very interesting to watch. Arlen will no doubt have a lot more insight on what is driving this particular volatility, but I just pulled up the livestock markets, folks, and I tell you what, there are some things moving in livestock. We've got lean hogs, triple digits higher, front month, excuse me, um, yeah, front month, August, whoa, up $2.85. We've got October up two and a quarter, and we've got the December contract still up almost a dollar, trading right now at 83 bucks. Arlen will have Uh, some more insights on those here in just a bit. We've also got some other news that has been developing here from around the world. The dollar continues to advance. We discussed this briefly on yesterday's program with Darren Newsom, and uh, that dollar has extended its rally. Darren mentioned yesterday that the dollar was at its highest level since November of 2002, and today it is already up another 1%. Folks, we talk about the dollar a lot on this program because as our buyers in foreign countries 
whether it's Asia, whether it's China, whether it's Eastern Europe, or increasingly the Middle East as the Russian-Ukrainian trade flows get sorted back out, we see the value of the dollar impact their ability to make purchases. As the dollar value climbs, effectively, our goods cost more in local currencies, whether it's the, you know, the, the Chinese yuan, the Japanese yen, you name it. All of these currencies, as the dollar rises, you need more of them to equal a dollar, and it makes our goods even more highly priced. This matters, I think, particularly as we are talking about what is happening in Asia, but we're seeing some senior officials from China discuss tariff reductions. Eh, maybe that'll help out inflation a little bit. But while we're talking prices, we've got Andy Campbell on the line here. Andy is the Marketing and Machinery Trends Director at TractorZoom. Thanks for joining us today, Andy. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for inviting us. Let's talk about the used machinery price index. This is the tool that TractorZoom puts out to kind of track the baseline for used machinery prices. Andy, what direction is that trend line going? Yes, uh, it's something that we've been developing for some time and it helps just having so much data behind it. Uh, so we've been tracking roll crop tractors and combines separately uh, in the market now and we've got the index going back to uh, the beginning of 2019. And no surprise for the you know, past year, year and a half, two years, it's up. Uh, but I'd say the interesting thing, and let's start with the tractor side on the row crop tractors, is uh, it's leveling off. Uh, it's, and I think a lot of farmers might feel this in their sentiment as well. But ever since March, we hit a peak. And then, you know, April, May, during planting season, you do typically see sales drop off, and we try to account for that in the index. But we've seen it essentially just plateau. Uh, and we're really... You know, expecting that in May, it typically happens, but in June, uh, we had a lot of good sales happen, but it looks to be fairly stable in June as well. Not rising, but it's not dropping, uh, just kind of in a holding pattern. It's kind of in a holding pattern. Andy, you mentioned June saw a lot of good sales. What does the sales schedule look like into July? Are things staying active? Yes. Uh, in, in terms of number of auctions that we're seeing, I was just talking with our auction success team yesterday. And uh, they're bringing on a record number of auctioneers. The number of auctions that are happening uh, are up. Now, the volume that you see per auction, the number of lots being sold, that might not be up. I mean, there's a lot of farmers that are still staying in the game and they're, you know, they're capitalizing on these higher prices. But, uh, but the, you know, the frequency of auctions is certainly up. And so we're seeing a lot of activity from our auctioneers. Andy, before we let you go, of course, last year we saw tremendous supply chain disruptions. It was tough to get parts at harvest time. A lot of growers were looking at adding that second combine. How do combine sales look so far this year? Has that strength continued? It has. You know, and combines is really the big question, not just for farmers, dealers as well. They're calling us and asking about uh, the supply and, and if that's going to tip. And so just this morning, we were crunching our June numbers for combines, and we're actually doing a webinar on it in two weeks. Uh, and so with the index that we ran for combines this morning, it's up and it's strong. You know, combines, the rise of combines was a little later to the party than tractors, uh, but they seem to be sticking around for a little bit longer as well. It's certainly saw very strong numbers for combines. Uh, and I think throughout July and August, uh, we're probably going to see that strength continue because farmers do not want to be in the field, you know, in uh, October and November and without a part. Absolutely. Without a machine, that is crucial, folks. This was Andy Campbell, the Marketing and Machinery Trends Director at TractorZoom. You can learn about that webinar at TractorZoom.com. Stick around. We'll have more AOA when we return. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The Parkinson's Foundation knows that the disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. If you or someone you know is living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement, we understand that it can be difficult to know where to find help. If you have questions, the Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease. Help you find expert care and local support. Give you tips for living a better life. And share the latest research. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. 
To learn more, please go to parkinson.org. Or call 1-800-473-4636. That's 1-800-473-4636. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better Better lives together. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. We have some exciting news to share. The National Corn Growers Association, along with AOA, are kicking off an all-new program called The Monthly Grind. Tune in on Tuesday, July 12th for a big kickoff. I'll be broadcasting live from Corn Congress in Washington, D.C., and will share all of the details surrounding The Monthly Grind. Make sure to listen to AOA on Tuesday, July 12th. It's a show you don't want to miss. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, thanks for tuning in to AOA today, ladies and gentlemen. You know, when Russia invaded Ukraine there at the end of February, global trade flows were upended for a lot of key agricultural commodities. Of course, we've talked fertilizer on this show. We've talked wheat in the broad market since that invasion happened. And importantly, sunflower trade flows were interrupted as Ukraine is such a crucial producer of sunflowers and sunflower oils. Well, that drove a lot of attention to the U.S. sunflower crop and those producers just wrapped up their summer seminar last week in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Joining me today to talk about that is John Sandbachen, the executive director of the National Sunflower Association. John, thanks for joining us today. Hey, John, we get you on the line there. All right. Yes. All right. Fantastic. Glad to have you here, John. Bring us up to speed. How many growers got together there in Grand Forks this past week? Well, you know, we had just about about 200 growers there this week, so we had a really good turnout, um, you know, great meeting, and it's just I think people really enjoyed being in person. Absolutely. It's so good to get back together, see folks face-to-face. John, the sunflower industry has seen a lot of attention here over the past six months. We were expecting to see soybean, or excuse me, sunflower acres jump big this year. Is that what happened? Were most growers able to get their crop in the ground? Well, you know, sunflowers really did see a nice boost. You know, when you look at North Dakota acreages of 49%, um, Texas 41%, South Dakota 16 Overall, nationally, we've got 29% more sunflower acres this year. And of that total, you know, the oil acres, we're up 31%. So definitely that, you know, that surge as far as the tractor prices, the additional demand due to what's happening in Ukraine, you know, really translated into increased acres this year. Absolutely. 29% total, 31% soybean and sunflower oil. John, if that's the case, if we've got this much more production, have prices come down? Are we starting to meet demand? Well, you know, we have trended down here the last couple of days. There's been just a big commodity sell-off. 
Um, but it's not related to demand for the product. It's more related to fears of recession here in the United States and worldwide. Um, so Sunflower has followed the other commodities down, but overall, we're still at historically high prices. I mean, we set those back in April, and, and we haven't even come close to you know getting down to that level yet. That is incredible. John, at the summer seminar, you covered a lot of ground that matters to sunflower producers. And I understand one of the topics of conversation was improving the genetics, improving the hybrids of the sunflower crop. Can you fill us in what was discussed with regard to that at the seminar? Well, you know, USDA has, is one of our primary sources of, of getting new genetic material into the hands of seed companies. And so what our session w- was looking at is where do we go from the future here? I mean, where do we see hybrids going? Is more and more disease protection? Is it higher oil content? Is it better yields? Um, and just overall, it, it, it's like that whole package. We obviously need to be competitive. And, you know, what we did is, is work as an industry to try to improve the crop. And so, you know, the scientists at USD were looking for some direction as to where should we go? Where should we, you know, focus our research? And I think they got some really good feedback from growers and from industry. And, you know, I think we're on the right track. As you think about where hybrids could go, of course, you know, disease versatility certainly matters. But I'm curious about that oil content question. John, is that something that they believe the American sunflower industry should invest in long term, growing that content in the seed? Well, you know, for sunflowers, 80% of the value of the seed that a farmer sells to a crush pot is what they can sell the oil for. So oil content is huge for us. You know, right now, mo- most producers are averaging, you know, between 40, 45% oil. And in, in years where we have, we have the right weather conditions, we can push up to that 48 to 50%. And where we would like to be is at that 48 to 50% level because sunflower is the only crop that pays a premium for the oil content. You get a 2% premium boost for each 1% of oil content. So, you know, that can really add up fast. For example, if you have 45 oil, you add 10% premium onto a $40 price, you're adding $4 a hundredweight. So it's, it's something that growers are going to want. Yeah, no, that dollar's up pretty quick once you start to see those changes be made. John, did they talk about the timeline for this kind of genetic work to take place? Obviously, it can't happen overnight. Is this a goal for five or 10 years for sunflower breeders? Well, you know, this is, you know, it's more of a five to 10 year goal. And that is, the, you know, we always consider that when new hybrids are coming out, the goal is to ramp up that oil content. But what we want to do is take it to the next level, move it up even higher. And so it is a longer-term goal because breeding is not done overnight. I mean, it takes several generations. So it will take us a while, but it will be our goal to get there. All right, John. You know, we recently had uh, quarterly grain stocks reports come out. Do they track sunflower stockpiles in that report? You know, not in latest report. We're out in the March and the September reports. Uh, but, you know, given the size of the crop we had last year, and I know based on usage that we've seen so far, um, stocks are going to be extremely tight by September. And that's another thing that's really supported our prices is that, you know, th- there's a lot of acres in the ground right now. But when you look at what we had in 2021 after we had the drought conditions and just less acres, you know, we're going to really be in a tight stock situation here by the end of the summer and in early fall. Yeah, and John, I'm glad you brought that up. Of course, sunflowers are grown across a very wide geography here in the United States. From the growers that were at the summer seminar, how does the crop in the field look so far? Are most folks pleased with the way things are progressing in this growing season? You know, the crop looks really good right now. We have had good rain in most areas. The only place where we've had drier conditions were in the high plains states, you know, Kansas, Colorado, Texas, places like that. But even even there, you know, harvest has really started in Texas, in South Texas, and so far yields have been about average. Um, and given how dry it is, I mean, you know, they, they were very happy with, you know, what they're seeing right now. Um, obviously, we'd like to see some more rain move through here. And I know in the Dakotas, Minnesota, you know, the crop looks really good right now. And we're looking to, you know, have a really decent production this year. That is good to hear. And your North Dakota growers, I'm impressed they got as much acreage in the ground that uh, that they did. John, this rainfall during the growing supplanting season, did that slow them down at all? Well, you know, the wet conditions we had early on actually favored sunflower planting, and there were some other crops that couldn't get planted. And so we're one of the last crops to get planted during the spring, and so we were able to add acres. A lot of producers switched acres from other crops to sunflower, and that's what helped us add some acres here toward the end. 
All right, John, let's take a step back. You just finished mapping out the sunflower industry's future. Let's talk 10, 15, 30 years from now. The industry continues to evolve. What was under discussion at the summer seminar about that future? Are there plans we need to be making today? Well, you know, one of the topics that we talked a lot about, we had a session on renewable diesel and what impact that's going to have on the vegetable oil market. And before even the conflict in Ukraine started, I mean, that's where we were headed. We were headed toward expanded oil needs, um, you know, higher oil prices, which is great for sunflower. And so we had, we had a really good discussion on that. And there's a lot of these plants that are going to come online that are going to create renewable diesel, which is made from 100% vegetable oil. And when you look at the demand that's going to be out there for oil, I mean, even if we took every single acre right now in the United States that we grow for oils, whether it be soybean, canola, sunflower, flax, you name it, we, we wouldn't have enough oil to meet food demand and this renewable diesel demand. So in the future, there's going to be a need for more acres. And that's another reason why we really want to ramp up our, our yields, because there's just going to be just a huge demand for oil you know, to fulfill the food market and this renewable diesel market. Absolutely. And in the renewable diesel space specifically, does sunflower oil look to be a quality contender as a feedstock for that uh, that particular biofuel? Well, you know, we won't. But the thing is, as you pull more soybean oil and more canola oil out of the food market and use it in diesel, we're going to be trying to fulfill that food processing sector. We're, we're going to be on the food side of things. And that's where sunflower has always had its niche. And that's where we, we look for our growth to be and is in food processing. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Of course, the market's going to shift. A lot of that food, soybean oil gets pulled to industrial uses. Sunflower oil slips right in for the food pro products. John, before we let you go, looking out, it is an election year. Are sunflower growers fighting for anything in particular, either ahead of November or ahead of next year's farm bill? Well, you know, in next year's farm bill, you know, we are we have looked at that as an organization, and we just want to make sure that sunflower growers are treated equitably as with other crops. And so something we're going to look at is reference prices to make sure that they're in line with, with what current pricing needs to be today. And obviously, we're going to support a strong crop insurance program. You know, there's got to be ways that we can shore that up, make it even a better program. Absolutely. A lot of discussions need to happen ahead of next year when that farm bill gets rewritten, not least of which are those reference prices, given the high inputs we've got for everything. John, before we let you go, for listeners who want to learn more about sunflowers, where can they go to connect with the NSA? Well, you know, the best place would be to go to our website at www.sunflowernsa.com. It's a complete source for all sunflower news. Fantastic, folks. Check that out, sunflowernsa.com. We've been talking to John Sandbach and the executive director. And, John, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me on your program, Mike. Thank you. And, folks, stick around. We're going to talk with Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist at Stonex, when AOA returns. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Each week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. Tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. 
You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Well, commodity prices bouncing a bit here overnight into this morning as end users have stepped in to buy the brakes here. After we've seen all this long liquidation, bargain hunters are ready and willing to put their toes into the water here in the commodity sector with 3% gains in wheat and soybeans uh, leading the way here into the morning trade. Now, the long liquidation in the broader market certainly has been felt in the commodity sector the last couple of weeks. The Ukraine war premium is gone for now as fund managers liquidated ownership of a broad spectrum of assets and really the markets now the charts have been damaged uh, a recovery is going to take a pretty bullish fundamental story here to rebuild the bullish momentum as those algorithm uh, computers uh, are just trading things to the downside here it's really been a rough couple of weeks trying to find a bit of stability here on the day on this Wednesday again with wheat and soybeans leading corn pretty much mixed around unchanged here so far today livestock trade is mostly higher with the hog market leading the way once again up triple digits in the front month contracts crude oil continues to liquidate a little bit down a dollar 50 a barrel 98 dollars uh, pretty much on the board right now with the Dow Jones down just 16 points, we've seen crude oil come well off of its highs here in the last week or so, and that's something to watch closely as well. Taking a look at some of the numbers right now in the trade, September corn unchanged, 592 and a quarter. August beans up 10 and a half, 1449 and three quarters. September Chicago wheat up 9, 816. September Kansas City wheat up 4 and three quarters, 866 and three quarters. Spring wheat September up 1 and three quarters, 891 and three quarters. August live cattle currently up 37, 13330. August feeder cattle up 12, 172.82. And July lean hogs 192 higher, 11407. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it, or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Boy, the market volatility continues at the start of this show. I kind of ran through some of the prices and said, hey, it looks like it might be a turnaround Wednesday. Well, things have deteriorated since then. Corn is now in the red. Beans still in the green, though well off today's highs. We've got wheat now to the downside fairly substantially in the Chicago and Kansas City contracts. And joining us today to tie all of this together is Mr. Arlen Suderman, Stonex Chief Commodities Economist. Arlen, thanks for joining us today keep your hands and feet inside the car and your dramamine close by boy i tell you what that is no joke arlen bring us up to speed what changed here in the last 30 minutes to drive these markets back to the downside well again and i think you outlined some of it in in the newscast here at the bottom of the hour but we're not trading fundamentals uh we're trading fear we're trading broad-based fear and we look at the dollar index is pushing to to fresh 19-year highs as we talk uh, above 107 and as we're looking at yields on 10-year treasuries trading around 2.8 percent um, that just shows that a lot of money is going into the safe haven assets a lot of it's going to the sideline it's liquidation of the hard assets We've seen a lot of that happen already. The question is, are we done? It's not about fundamentals. It's about fear of a global 
recession that would slash demand for commodities. In other words, a recession that people would quit eating, livestock would quit eating, etc. I think you see some of my sarcasm in there. We saw in the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009 very little demand destruction for the food-based commodities. But yet when fear hits on Wall Street, everyone just wants to liquidate their so-called riskier assets. And the charts turn negative. And when the charts turn negative, these algos, which are computers that trade momentum and trade chart signals, start piling on sell orders. And unfortunately, the bulk of our daily trading action right now is these algo trading computers. Our traditional traders have stepped out of these markets because of the volatility open interest, which is a good measure of how many contracts are in the market from day to day, which is your traditional hedgers of both end users and producers and people in the industry using the markets to hedge your risk. Open interest is at historical low levels for the grain and oil seeds as they've stepped out. But volume of trades on a daily basis are up, and that's because of all these day trading algo computers. Now, eventually, supply and demand does drive the market, um, and so it's when will we get back to that? And that's what we're seeing play out this morning is the volatility as this market tries to feel out, okay, have we hit the bottom for now? Uh, is it safe to get back in the market and buy? We had uh, China sniffing around for some wheat overnight, and that helped push wheat prices over 3% higher. We opened up the day trade after the pause in the session this morning, and it just plummeted and fell out of bed once again and made new lows. Um, but now we're trying to find some stability. And so that's one of the keys. We've taken all of the Ukraine war risk out of this market and there's no justification for doing that from, from a fundamental standpoint, but the question is, when does it become safe to come back into these markets and trade the fundamentals? And it's just trying to feel out for some firm footing to do so. Arlen, in the meantime, when we get these algo-driven moves, either to the upside or to the downside, they can create some opportunities because the real folks aren't in the markets. And I'm wondering specifically in corn with this push to the downside, we've got December now sub 580 trading at 575 and change. Is this an opportunity for end users to lock in some coverage? Yeah, obviously none of us know exactly what's going to happen with the market, but my yield model for corn is right now at 175.1. And if I plug in a 175.1 bushel yield into my balance sheet, I end up with some very tight ending stocks for the coming year um, of uh, that require higher prices to ration supplies. Cash prices above $6. Well, if cash prices are above $6, then that means the board tends to usually is going to be even higher than that. So it would suggest that if the current conditions play out as they're currently projected, that higher prices are justified and needed in order to manage supply and demand. Remember, we're still seeing only very limited supplies of corn coming out of Ukraine. So if I'm, I'm an end user, I don't know whether prices are going to go higher or lower, but when I look at the risks, the risks are that we could see higher prices more so than lower prices, and that's what my concern is an end user, so I want to take advantage of some of the price breaks to try to extend some coverage. If I'm a producer, I'm looking at it the other way around, so it depends which side you're on. But based on your question as an end user, yes, I would want to look at this. And we do have end users who are doing so, but they're just trying to feel out, okay, is, is this the place to get in or is it going to come down lower for me? Right. It's tough to jump in whole hog when we've got the kind of volatility that we've seen. And Arlen, you touched on really the global fear of recession. Certainly that is driving crude oil prices as well. Crude's down another three bucks almost here today. Where do you see this crude oil bottom happening? And flip side of the question, is this a time to lock in some fuel needs maybe out through harvest? Yeah, if we look at crude oil prices, they're trading the lowest that they've been really since March. 
Um, and uh, we still, I would say that we probably have tightened up the world situation since March. We've had more of a move of Europe to move away from Russian oil supplies to reject Russian oil and natural gas supplies. Uh, we're having problems with OPEC trying to keep up with its production quotas. We're seeing some problems in, in some of the shale oil basins and trying to keep up and produce as much as we'd like. Um, some EPAs, the headlines this week, EPA was kind of challenging production out of the Permian Basin. Um, so we have some tighter situations now than what we did. The negative is some of the demand destruction we're seeing with a yet another, looks like, outbreak of a new variant of COVID in China, China being one of the world's larger consumer of, consumers of energy, trying to see how is that going to play out, the uncertainty of how is that going to play out. Um, so that's kind of the pluses and minuses and how is it playing out and right now. Uh, liquidation phase and energy concerns or recessionary concerns is weighing on crude oil just like it is on the ags as well. We would anticipate again that this is a market that's oversold and as we start to get some stability in this market then we'll see some end users want to come in and say this is our opportunity to extend coverage and build a strong demand base under the market. The only question is when does that happen in these markets? And it doesn't look like it's today with $3 to the downside in crude. Arlen, looking at the commodity markets today, almost all of them fall into the category you're describing where the fear is driving buyers out of the markets. But there's one big exception today, and that's the lean hog market. We're up triple digits, $3 in the August contract. What's going on in hogs today? Yeah, as we look at the protein complex overall, we're seeing some of that strength play out there. And obviously, cheaper feed prices are good for the livestock producer, that's for sure. But we're also seeing some tightening of supplies for the product market. And yesterday, we saw belly uh, values up $20 a hundredweight, so a big jump there. And overall, we're anticipating that we're going to continue to see some of that tightness as we look at another shortened slaughter week this year, this week because of the holiday, back-to-back um, -back tight weeks, and that's tightening up the supplies. Um, and uh, so this this may this may be the tightest part of the summer for those supplies. We'll have to watch and see, but it's the support of the product market helping support the lean hog futures this morning. Arlen, the real wild card seems to be the U.S. dollar. We're up another 90 or 59 basis points today in that. How high can this index run? Obviously, there, there is no limit to the upside, but realistically, where does this thing start to die out? Well, the problem for the dollar is the weakness of the competing currencies, and so we're seen as the safe haven, and our interest rates are going up faster than the rest of the world, so therefore global investors want to have access to U.S. dollars so they can invest in our markets, in our securities markets, etc., and particularly with fears of recession, they want to be in our securities markets, which is one thing driving our yields down right now, but those are still higher than much of the rest of the world at least the developed world. So the dollar strength looks to continue at this point, uh, um, particularly with weakness in the euro following the 20-year uh, lows, basically 19, 20-year lows versus the dollar. We're seeing similar action with the yen, the, the Korean uh, currency. Uh, another big customer of ours is at 10-year lows versus the dollar. That makes it difficult for our wheat and our proteins to compete in overseas markets. That's a challenge, something that uh, creates some headwinds for the commodities, that creates headwinds for the energy market as well. So at this point, the dollar certainly has momentum to the upside with amid all the fears of global recession. Absolutely, Arlen, but it sounds like we should expect to see maybe export sales be a little softer for future weeks. Is that your anticipation? Well, that's the expectation of a strong dollar. Ironically, we have fallen so fast, though, in these commodities that we are getting better price, and particularly U.S. wheat is well-priced in the world market right now. Um, so we're anticipating that even with the strong dollar, because of such a strong collapse in wheat prices, that we will see some strength in wheat exports. All right, folks, keep an eye on those markets. Let's watch that export flow. This has been Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist with StoneX. Arlen, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. Good to be with you. 
And folks, stick around. We'll have more AOA when we return. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and the feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve together, we can make a difference, bite by bite. We gather together in communities across the nation to remember and honor, to celebrate and support, to light the night. Join us as we lift our lanterns high in order to move toward a world free of blood cancers. Join us as we light the night for a loved one. Join us. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Our mission is to cure leukemia, lymphoma, Hodgkin's disease, and myeloma. Our aim is to improve the quality of life of patients and their families. Join us. We are LLS, and when we walk, cancer runs. Join your community and help bring light to the darkness of cancer. Join us as we light the night. Find your local event at lightthenight.org. That's lightthenight.org. We here at the American Ag Network enjoy and celebrate our freedom and independence, and we want you to safely enjoy and celebrate your freedom and independence with us. Did you know that July 4th was not deemed a federal holiday until 1870? That's nearly 100 years after the nation was founded. The Declaration of Independence was written on a laptop. Okay, not a modern laptop, but Thomas Jefferson did draft the Declaration of Independence on a writing desk that could fit onto one's lap. That device was referred to as a laptop. An old adage among corn farmers is knee-high by the 4th of July, meaning that if one's corn stalks were at least as high as an adult's knees by Independence Day, they could expect a good harvest. And corn stalks can actually grow as tall as 13 feet high. And sweet corn, that variety that most Americans will be grilling and boiling for cookouts, accounts for just 1% of all corn grown in the United States. Please celebrate our independence safely and responsibly this July with us at the American Ag Network. We have some exciting news to share. The National Corn Growers Association, along with AOA, are kicking off an all-new program called The Monthly Grind. Tune in on Tuesday, July 12th for a big kickoff. I'll be broadcasting live from Corn Congress in Washington, D.C., and will share all of the details surrounding The Monthly Grind. Make sure to listen to AOA on Tuesday, July 12th. It's a show you don't want to miss. Would you know what to do in a poison emergency? 
Would you know whom to call? Well, the answer is Poison Help. 1-800-222-1222. Poison Help is a 24-7 government hotline staffed by poison experts. It's free to call and available in over 100 languages. Every second counts in a poison emergency. Don't waste it wondering who to call. Save Poison Help in your phone today. 1-800-222-1222. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA here on this Wednesday. You know, as this growing season has gotten underway, one of the areas that has been in the spotlight is South Dakota, North Dakota, and Minnesota. Of course, that area was facing a drought for the better part of 2021, and that turned around very suddenly in March of this year when the rains started to fall, and they went from a drought to a flood in a lot of places, particularly up that Red River Valley. And I wanted to see how how are crops faring so far this growing season? Joining us for an update is Lance Knutson. He's a farmer in North Dakota and the owner of the American Ag Network. Signs my paycheck. I'm grateful for that. Lance, thanks for taking the time to join us here today. Well, thanks, Mike, for having me on. Can you hear me okay? We certainly can. Lance, I know you travel quite a bit throughout the Red River Valley. Can you give us an update? What have you seen crop-wise? How do conditions look up there? Well, you know, first I want to start with, you know, we had that big snow up here in late April, and that's how it all started. Then the rains hit, then the flooding. And, you know, most generally in the valley we flooded, or we, you know, we flooded, but then it was wet and we planted late. So, you know, a lot of us are almost a month behind, and uh, the crops are small. And, uh, you know, the sugar beets and the beans are terribly small. And I've got a lot of concerns for beans, uh, especially in the, uh, center part of this valley to the north. Uh, they are so small, Mike, that, you know, we've got a real concern about lateness. And then on top of that, after uh, we got our crop planted and got it up, most people up here in the valley know about the high winds we had. And they, we had to replant a tremendous amount of beans and even sugar beets because we had a wind event that took out thousands and thousands of acres as the top dried off, even though it was mud underneath. And that sawed those nice little fresh plants right off. So that put us even further behind with a lot of plants. And you know, there's been a lot of downside in these markets, but there's a tremendous amount of acres in North Dakota that could very easily not make it or, you know, be right on that line of could freeze. And if these beans freeze, um, there isn't gonna be much of a crop. The other thing we, the other big worry right now um, is, um, you know, we're going to probably be harvesting very late, late October with these beans, maybe uh, into November. And we all know what it's like up here for weather. We could be in the snow pretty easy. So in a nutshell, Mike, uh, row crops are way behind. And Lance, for our listeners outside the Dakotas, when you talk delayed planting, there are serious ramifications. What do you expect is your first frost date up there in the Red River Valley? Well, you know, don't hold me to it. I could, I can't remember for sure, but I think on average it's, it's, you know, about around the 20th of September, something like that is when we can potentially get our first frost. Um, and that's really, uh, but who knows with the weather pattern we're having this year. Uh, you know, if the La Nina stays strong and uh, we get into a dry pattern, dry patterns typically bring colder uh, falls. And, you know, like I say, you can't hold anybody to weather right now. Predictions are all over the board. But, uh, you know, I would really be concerned about beans freezing. And if beans freeze early up here this year, there won't hardly be a bean crop to harvest. Well, and it's not just beans up in your territory either. Lance, spring wheat also much under discussion after the drought heading into this year. What have you seen in your neighborhood for spring wheat acres? Did they get most of it in? You know, I, I think a lot of it did, at least in my area and to the south, uh, we got it in, but we got it in late. Uh, it seems like some of it, you know, some folks have said, uh, this is just an observation of mine now. Uh, I've seen some of it heading out already, and people are saying, oh, it looks like it caught up. Well, I don't know if stuff ever catches up. Uh, 
plant life needs to have a certain certain amount of time and I really think the wheat crop uh, is going to be a fair amount poorer because some of these fields that I've seen heading out they just don't have the stand I, I don't think the head size is going to be there now this is just an opinion this is my observation but um, I don't think the wheat crop is going to be near what we think it's going to be. Now, the even later planted wheat that's not headed, that might not head out for a couple more weeks yet. Jury's still out on that. All right. Jury is still out. Lance, growers have been dealing with a lot of issues this year. You mentioned the planting delays. We've also had fertilizer concerns. We've got pricing issues. It seems like everything is kind of coming against the American farmer. When you talk to your neighbors up there, how are attitudes? Are people feeling positive that the prices this year might pay off for their hard work? Well, you know, uh, coming into before this big market drop, I think a lot of people felt pretty good because they thought, well, even if we get a, just a decent crop with some better prices against these higher expenses, we were going to be okay. But if we uh, stay with these lower prices, these big drops that we've had in soybeans and, and wheat, and, and, and uh, who knows what's going to happen with these, uh, the way Arlen was talking about the way these computers trade markets, it's not, it's not really what's out there. Uh, of course, king dollar is what bothers me the most. Uh, is that just going to keep us priced out of the market? And we're going to sit here then with lower commodities. And I think all of a sudden a lot of farmers, uh, neighbors, we're nervous now. Uh, hell, I wasn't even nervous until just a, just a week ago. Uh, now, it's, now it's a little nerve-wracking because if we don't see a rebound, we're going to have an awful hard time paying bills this fall if we don't see some prices come back. Yeah, margins have to come back a little bit. Lance, speaking of margins, farmers have been aggressive buying ground. Has there been any land sales up in your part of the world? You know, um, I've not, not kept track real close to that this, this year, Mike. Sorry about that. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, where I live, it's, it's pretty much satisfied around my area. People are, it's, it's old families. And so a lot of land doesn't trade that much. But I have heard in that six to $8,000 range, though, for land, which is extremely high for our area. But um, I'm not surprised. It's, it's a safe haven. People want it. Uh, it's probably better than being in the commodities uh, markets these days or the stock market. Because uh, let's face it, with the, these uh, computer-driven markets and that, I mean, how does a farmer hardly hedge his, 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 uh, his crop anymore like, like we could many, many years ago? Uh, we, we can't compete against these fun, fundamental companies in these computer-traded markets. Um, so, Just got to do the best we can with the information we've got at hand, folks. We've been talking to Lance Knutson, North Dakota farmer. And Lance, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks, Mike. And folks, tune in tomorrow. We'll be talking with Dr. Paul Sundberg of the Swine Health Information Center about the swine diseases that are causing trouble globally. Tune in then for more AOA. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Chris Domine is a husband, father, an athlete, even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris's kidneys were failing. The doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant, you are going to die. Chris received a second chance, made possible by an organ donor. Your well-being changes from loss of hope to better times ahead. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.